just when we were getting those reflexes to make us stay stood up. You know, I've been wanting to sit down every time the song ends. I'm going to start all over again now since Steve told me to sit down. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, we are glad you're here this morning. Uh, I know I was so very thankful today to to hear little Ava's voice as she kind of expressed her uh, being upset this morning. I was glad to hear that voice. And, you know, I've been really concerned over the last uh, few weeks about what the absence of that voice might mean. But very thankfully, and because many prayers were offered on their behalf of the Owens family, uh, on Thursday afternoon, uh, the Owens were awarded uh, custody of Ava, and they will be adopting her officially, and uh, we are so thankful for that. I know they're relieved about this, and we're thankful for that as well. I have a card I want to read uh, from the Owens family. It says, Dear brothers and sisters at Delreda, as of March 2nd, 2017, Ava Reese Owen is an official member of our family. Our adoption was granted. Thank you for your continued prayers, financial support, and constant encouragement. We are forever indebted to you, our Delreda family, for carrying us through the past 20 months. Thank you for loving us. We are so very blessed. And that's signed in Christian love, David, Julie, Tanner, Davis, Macy, Kate, and Ava Owen. And so we are very thankful that... Uh, God providentially has worked and allowed Ava to be with the Owens and to be with us as well. And uh, we are glad that she's here, even though she may not be right now. <clears throat> There's a little story I came across that I think illustrates the times in which we live today. A very wealthy farmer put an interesting sign up in one of his best pastures one day. And the sign simply read, that this field is going to be given to the first contented man that I can find. Of course, a hundred men immediately applied for the choice land, but the owner sent each of these men away with the pointed question, you know, if you are truly content with what you have, why do you want my land? You know, there's probably never been a time in the history of mankind when the world is as filled with unhappy and unsatisfied people as the time in which we live today. And sadly, that's even true among Christians. We live in a world today where people all around us, we see them every day. They're searching for peace. They're searching for happiness. And yet, in spite of the wealth and prosperity that we enjoy, in spite of popularity and success, people still as a whole do not find lasting peace. It's sad to think about the fact that suicide now is at an all-time high. We have more of a problem in our country today with drugs and alcohol and prescription drugs than we've ever had before. And to be sure, into each life some rain must fall, some days must be dark and dreary, and yet those moments, if properly used, can make for brighter and better tomorrows. You know, if there were no difficulties in life, there would be no triumphs. We know that the darkest clouds eventually will give way to the beauty of 
the rainbow. Torrential rain is replaced by glistening sunlight. And of course, to a loyal and faithful child of God, these principles are indelibly proved every step of the way. And so you see, it really doesn't matter what may come our way. No matter what happens around us and to us, we as Christians still can have this peace that passeth all understanding. I think it's very significant that a man in prison under the cruel Roman Emperor Nero penned the words that give us the title of our lesson today. I want you to listen again to what Paul said by inspiration in Philippians 4 and verse 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now just conceive this morning, if you will, of a prisoner writing these kinds of words to people that were free to come and go as they pleased. I think the poet was correct when he said, stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. You see, Paul's body may have been in prison, but his spirit certainly was not. Outward circumstances just didn't seem to have an effect on, apostle, on the Apostle Paul. And, and that's why he always possessed this peace that so many of us desire today. You know, the word peace in its highest concept simply means a harmonious relationship between man and God. Bombs and threats cannot take this away from the Christian. If the enemies of truth put us to death, we are but nearer to the giver of eternal peace. Now, I ask you today, is that not real therapy for the troubled world in which we live today? Would that idea, if it was indelibly impressed on the minds of people today, would that not eliminate most of the problems that we face and end the search for peace and happiness? Is it not really ultimate peace to understand that there's no one, there's no thing, there's no outward circumstance that can ever rob you of this peace that passeth understanding? People may steal your car, they may break into your home, they may harm you physically, but they cannot rob you of this peace. Paul told Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. In Hebrews 13 and verse 5, we're told that God will take care of us if we are content with what we have. And how thrilled we are to read the wonderful promise of Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, where Paul said, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who shall be against us? 
Then we think about the beauty of Psalms 37, which I think sums up everything that we're trying to say thus far. And there David said in verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old. And yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Solomon said that the paths of wisdom are peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus Christ is said to be the prince of peace. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. When our Lord came into this world, born of the Virgin Mary, we find attending his birth those wonderful words of Luke 2 and verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I think about the wonderful assurance that our Lord gave his apostles prior to his suffering on Calvary. Those words that contain the precious words of peace. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. You know, the New Testament informs us of the life of peace that Christians ought to have today. We're told that the kingdom of God is filled with righteousness, joy, and peace in Romans 14 verse 17. We read that to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans 8 and verse 6. Peter tells children of God to seek peace and to pursue it, 1 Peter 3 and verse 11. We're admonished in Ephesians 4 and verse 3 to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And of course, we know that one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Galatians 5 and verse 22. Now folks, don't all of us desire to have more peace in our lives? Is it not true that so oftentimes we allow the things of this world, we allow our problems and our difficulties and our disappointments, we allow these things to rob us of the peace that God so desperately wants us to have. But in view of these basic introductory remarks about peace, I think it's very clear today that Something isn't quite right when professing Christians today live lives of perplexity and discontentment. In the first place this morning, I want us to notice why it is that members of the Lord's church sometimes do not have this peace. What are some reasons why we as Christians who ought to have peace, what are some of the reasons why we don't have peace? I think one reason why we as Christians sometimes don't have peace is because our lives are not in harmony with the Bible. You see, the New Testament in Christianity today, it's based upon a recognition of the all-sufficiency of the Scriptures. 
We believe that God's entire will for mankind is revealed in that book of books. And the Bible provides us with every answer for every problem that we face as we live here upon this earth. And the Bible tells us how we can live our lives so that we can find this peace and happiness and contentment. Therefore, when we know that our conduct does not measure up to that divine standard, we know what that feeling is like. We know how we feel insecure, and it is, of course, our duty to immediately correct our erring ways. But it seems like it's a lot easier sometimes for people just to have a nervous breakdown than it is to obey God and to conform their will to God's word. And so when we find our lives not in harmony with the Bible, we don't have the peace that we want to have. I think another reason why we don't have peace as Christians today many times is because of a prayerless life. You know, our loving Heavenly Father has graciously given us the privilege of talking things over with Him. And Jehovah not only created mankind, but God is vitally concerned about our needs. He's concerned about our aspirations and what a welcome release from worldly cares that we can find in that sweet hour of prayer. We sing that beautiful song sometimes, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from the world of care and bids me at my father's throne. Make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief. And off escape the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. You see, we have the wonderful blessing of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life among men. He died for us all, and yet now he is the mediator between God and man. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5. In the book of Hebrews, we learn that Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. And as a result of these great truths, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 and verse 16 that we can come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy in every time of need. John informs us in 1 John 5 and verse 14 that this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And certainly this power of being able to pray to our Heavenly Father is beyond human description. And we truly believe today, or at least we ought to, that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. And therefore, our attitude ought to be according to those words of 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. Pray without ceasing. And so if we have a problem, we take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't you love what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7? Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. 
To me, there's no verse more comforting, more consoling than those words of 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. But many people today allow themselves to be robbed of the peace that ought to be theirs because of a prayerless life. Another reason I think we don't have peace as Christians, I know this is something that I deal with on a constant basis, is that many times we become too self-oriented. We become too self-centered. Now certainly there is a legitimate love for self because the Bible says we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And yet some seem to expend all their affection upon themselves. And whenever we fail to be busy helping other people, we lose sight of the major purpose in life. You know, the most miserable person in all the world is that individual who has never been someone's good Samaritan. In Acts 10 verse 38, we read about Jesus, how that he went about doing good. I think our Lord summed up his entire attitude toward life in Matthew 20 and verse 28. He said, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And yet many today in our world, maybe even in the church today, think that the world owes them a living. And yet the truth is today, we owe the world a life of helpfulness. We owe the world to demonstrate to the world a life of purity. I think about a woman one time who called the preacher and she was very upset. She simply said, everybody is against me. No one cares for me. I am so lonely. You need to stop and count the personal pronouns that she mentioned there, and you can see what her basic problem was. She's focused entirely on herself. Woe is me. And that individual's problems could easily be solved if she would begin to help those who are about her and around her rather than focusing on all of her problems. Because you see, it doesn't matter how sad our plight may be, there's always someone in much deeper distress. Someone said, I had the blues because I had no shoes until on the street I met a man who had no feet. You know, selfishness causes many people to, to lack this peace that is so desperately desired by so many people. I think another reason why we don't have peace, this peace that passes all understanding, is because many times as Christians we heed the call of the world. And undoubtedly this is one of the greatest reasons for discontentment among those who claim to be Christians. Many people just haven't turned away completely from their past life. Like Lot's wife, they look back at old relationships. They look back at their old sins, the way that they used to live. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
We know that worldliness, worldliness enters our lives through our homes, our jobs, through our recreation. Our friends and associates, what we hear and see in the media, and the call of this world, the call to belong, and the call to have the things of this world is a powerful force that we must contend with. And even though the wisdom of this world is sensual and devilish, according to James 3 and verse 15, sadly many people prefer that to the wisdom that is from above. That's why James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, James 1 and verse 8. As long as we try to heed the call of the world, at the same time try to serve God in some way as well, we'll be unstable and we'll be miserable. You see, the things of this world will not last. Everything that we see is temporary. Everything that we see is going to be done away with and therefore cannot bring any true happiness or peace. Jesus said no man can serve two masters, Matthew 6 and verse 24. And so an individual tries to serve God on the one hand and yet will not let go of the world and material things on the other hand, that individual will only find misery and contention, never find peace. Now these are just some of the many reasons perhaps that we could give this morning as to why people don't find the peace that they so desperately seek for. But have you ever wondered, though, in the next place, why some Christians, and you probably can think about some names right now as we talk about this, why is it that some Christians seem to enjoy a tranquility, a peace that seemingly is difficult to fathom? I want to suggest briefly three ideas that perhaps will unveil their secret. I think the first thing we need to recognize is that God's grace is sufficient for us. You know, the Apostle Paul had a grievous physical malady from which he sought the Lord to deliver him. But we find the Lord's answer to him in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, Paul had to learn to depend upon God. He had to learn to rely upon God. He could not obtain anything in and of himself, but he was totally dependent upon God's grace and mercy. And folks, when we can come to that point where we totally depend and rely upon God and completely put our trust in him, you'll find that peace. I think secondly, the rich blessings of a godly life are immeasurable. If we can understand what a blessing it is to be a child of God. Ephesians 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Paul in Romans chapter 11 mentioned the unfathomed depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. An unknown poet has declared it would take all the skill of mankind to write accurately of the love of God. 
Think about the blessings that God continually showers down upon us. Not just physical blessings, but more importantly, those spiritual blessings which are in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1 in verse 3. And when you stop and you focus on the rich blessings of living a Christian life, then you can begin to have true peace in your life. I think thirdly, a true Christian... A faithful Christian can have peace because they have single-eye devotion. They're focused. Our Lord said in Matthew 6, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be healthy or single, the whole body shall be full of light. Now that passage conveys the singularity of purpose that we must have to properly serve the master. That's why the wise man Solomon, who tried literally everything in this life to find peace and happiness, he said in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is what it's all about. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. Now folks, when that's our goal, when that's our number one priority in life, we're going to find peace. And yet when we allow ourselves to become sidetracked from that goal of serving our Lord, when we lose that singularity of purpose, then we forfeit the peace God wants us to have. Christ told Martha in Luke 10 verse 22 that only one thing was needful. Paul said, this one thing I do, Philippians 1 and verse 13. All of these verses, I think, convey the need for obedience and focusing on pleasing our heavenly Father. And yet, when we become divided in our allegiance to God, we become discontented and dissatisfied. When we give the devil part of our time and energy, and yet we still want to serve the Lord... We're never going to find true peace. Those individuals have enough of the world and enough of Christianity in them to make them truly miserable. You see, it's not until we totally and completely surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ and say, as the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ living in me, we won't have true peace until we can come to the point where we can truthfully make that statement. A particular city adopted a new concept in care for the aged. The only requirement for entrance into this home for the elderly was their willingness to give up everything they had physically to this institution. In exchange, the directors of this particular home for the aged agreed to furnish every single need for their guests as long as they lived. Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? But Jesus has a better plan than that. He asks us to give ourselves unreservedly to his glorious service. And in return, our Lord promises to care for our every need in life he will be with us through death and ultimately through eternity. 
And we need to believe the captivating language of Psalms chapter 73 and verse 24. You shall guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. I want to challenge you as we close today by looking at four magic words that will help us to acquire this great peace of mind. These are four words that our Lord spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just before our Lord was to die that excruciating death on Calvary, our Lord, in spite of the impending suffering and death and the bearing of our sins upon that old rugged cross, spoke these four words, Your will be done. And we need to manifest that same spirit. Henry Van Dyck, a great religious poet, I believe has given us a real treasure of thought on this subject of peace. Listen to the words that he wrote. He said, with eager heart and will on fire, I sought to win my great desire. Peace shall be mine, I said, but life grew bitter in endless strife. My soul was weary, my pride wounded deep. To heaven I cried, God give me peace or I must die. The dumb stars glittered, no reply. Broken at last, I bowed my head, forgetting all myself and said, whatever come, God's will be done. And in that moment, peace was won. You see, the precious blessing of peace for a troubled life and a troubled soul is right there for the taking. We learned in Colossians 1 and verse 20 that Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. In Romans 10 and verse 15, we read about the gospel of peace. That's why today, if you're one that is searching for that peace, if you're one that is longing for that peace, it can be yours. And that peace begins with your decision to Obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't have peace as long as you're away from your heavenly father, as long as sin separates you from your God. But if you will come today in simple trusting faith, being willing to change your life, to give your life to the Lord completely, and then confessing the name of Jesus, that he is the son of God, you today can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that past life, that past way of living, those sins will be washed away. You can know the joy and peace of knowing that your sins are forgiven. Or if you've endeavored to be a double-minded individual, trying to serve God, trying to live this life, going after those things that are carnal in nature, Maybe you need to come today and make your life right and resolve with the help of God and forgiveness of those past sins that, that you will in the future live for your Lord and enjoy true peace. True peace can be yours. If you need to come now, we 